This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. Um, I have this uh, article, Outcome of Early School Age in Adolescence After um, Hypothermia-Treated Hypoxic Ischemic Encephalopathy, an Observational Population-Based Study. Um, uh, lead author Katerina Grossman, uh, uh, trailing author Katerina Lindstrom. This is in the archives of disease. Um, it's coming to us from Sweden. And so they wanted to look at the long-term outcomes following um, HIE treated with therapeutic hypothermia. All in all, they had 66 infants treated with hyper- ther- therapeutic hypothermia due to HIE between 2007 and 2009. And then um, their long-term follow-up consisted of um, at six to eight years, and then again, um, from the majority of infants at 10 to 12 years of age, children were assessed using this uh, a standardized neurologic uh, exam. They were assessed using the movement assessment battery for children, the second edition uh, oh, of the of the. MABC, the Movement assess- Assessment Battery. They use the Weschler Intelligence Scales. And then parents use this 5 to 15 questionnaire, which is a screening for developmental and behavioral disorders. Um, this study included all infants with gestational age greater than or equal to 34 and 0 weeks treated with therapeutic hypothermia due to HIE in the greater Stockholm catchment area from January 2007 to December 2009. And um, the way their system works, um, there are two tertiary level neonatal intensive care units. There's one at Karolin- uh, in Karolinska um, that serve as, sorry, there are two uh, tertiary level neonatal intensive care uh, NICUs um, at Karolinska University Hospital, which serve as the regional therapeutic um, hypothermia center. So all infants that meet the treatment criteria for therapeutic hypothermia are funneled into those centers. Uh-huh. And then the primary outcome uh, among survivors was defined as cerebral palsy, epilepsy, hearing or visual impairment, full-scale IQ below 85, attention deficit disorder with or without hyperactivity, autism spectrum disorder, or a developmental coordination disorder. So basically what they did is they wanted to see what was the kind of uh, frequency of having any of those disorders at the eight to eight to 10, uh, uh, the six to eight checkup. And then at the 10 to 12 year, uh, check-in. So a little bit of the baseline criteria. I told you they had 66 infants that underwent therapeutic hypothermia during the time period available for follow-up. Um, four infants were born late preterm, um, at 34 and 0, 35 and 1, 35 and 3, and 35 and 6 weeks. Four infants were cooled um, with mild HIE, a Sarnoff grade 1. There were three infants in whom active therapeutic hypothermia was initiated late after six hours due to the onset of seizures. Seven infants died after discontinuation of intensive care given poor prognosis. The neonatal mortality was 10%. Um, and so the total they had of these infants to discharge was 59. One infant was found to have genetic syndrome, so was then later excluded from further analysis. Mm-hmm. So of this group of babies that they had, um, the mean age at the first assessment was 7.4 uh, years, and the mean age at the second assessment was 11.2 years. So first they looked at the group um, among survivors without cerebral palsy. So three children or 6% had a diagnosis of a developmental coordination disorder at the early school age. 
And then by the second um, observation, by early adolescent, two more additional children were diagnosed with um, DCD, developmental coordination disorder, bringing the incidence to 10%. The proportion of children scoring less than uh, or equal to the fifth percentile in the movement assessment battery for children was significantly increased compared with norms at both assessments. Specifically at the early school age, 11 children or 25% um, had an MABC less than less than or equal to 15 percentile. And then in early adolescence, this increased to 13 children or 30% significantly higher compared to norms. Yeah. And they looked at, again, children without cerebral palsy. um, What were some of the uh, other kind of uh, daily problems? So at early school age, Three children had a diagnosis of ADHD. One of them had dyslexia and one also had, in addition, a a, a developmental coordination disorder. One child had autism spectrum disorder. One child had profound bilateral hearing loss and one child had unilateral blindness. On the repeat assessment in early adolescent, executive difficulties were evident in seven more children. And at early school age, the results of the 5 to 15 questionnaire were unremarkable compared with norms. However, in early adolescence, the proportion of children with a score greater than 90th percentile, so kind of flagging on the on the um, assessment, was significantly increased compared with norms within the motor skills, executive functions, perception, memory, and language domains. Um, so again, a much higher proportion of uh, children uh, kind of meeting that criteria. At early school age, when they looked at uh, IQ, 46 children compared, uh, completed the WISC. The mean um, full-scale IQ was 104. The mean index scores were all within the normal range. This included the child with ADHD and dyslexia, um, uh, who, though, had this... Um, uh, hold on, I want to tell you what this is. Biff, borderline intellectual function. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. Um, so the one child with ADHD and dyslexia had this kind of borderline in- intellectual functioning. In early early adolescence, 45 children completed the WISC. Um, the mean full-scale IQ was 100.9. The mean index scores were all within normal range. Um, in early adolescence, the two children, two children with previous diagnoses, uh, one uh, ADHD and a developmental coordination disorder in one child, um, and the CP cortical visual impairment and epilepsy in the second child, were then later found to have um, borderline intellectual functioning. Furthermore, four children with favorable outcomes at early school age now also had diagnosis of um, borderline intellectual functioning. The number of children borderline intellectual functioning thus increased from 1, 2%, to 7, 12% by early adolescence. Um, they had some other data on the children um, with CP. One child with CP and cortical visual impairment took the test with the aid, um, revealing a cognitive ability equivalent to two to three years. Another child with cerebral palsy was not able to complete all included tests, um, but those that did uh, indicated normal intelligence. Three children with CP had results within normal range on both occasions. So, I mean, the overall, the overall gist of the study is uh, we see yeah, so give us the gist. We give see us the, the, gist. the gist. The gist is that um, in children, the history of hypothermia treated HIE, 
even those who have kind of a seemingly favorable outcome at this early school age uh, evaluations exhibit emerging deficits by early adolescence. So um, this is kind of consistent with what, when we spoke to Betsy Pilon from Hope, Hope for HIE is that, you know, it's just not, it's not just a diagnosis that you get in the NICU, you know, it needs ongoing reevaluation and assessment and um, families have changing needs as, as children age through the, especially the educational system. Yeah. I mean, this just, uh, this is one of these papers that just makes me feel a bit powerless, you know, cause it's, it's, yeah. we work so hard and, 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 and you feel, all right, I'm going to say something that's completely wrong, but like, you feel so good when you, when you yeah. capture the baby and you, and you start the cooling, you're like, oh, I, I was able to intervene. Right. Right. And, and you feel so comfortable. To we like, have oh, this treatment and it helps I, babies. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's like, oh, uh, the the baby is born in our center. We get to be able to do this. And then you see these papers and it's like, oh, it's not. Uh, I mean, because granted, right, this paper does not compare. It's a Correct. paper only about babies who underwent therapeutic hypothermia. Right. So, we, and we don't know much about, we don't know much about the clinical picture and we don't know much about the MRI findings. We don't know those things. Yeah. It's, just, right? it's, it's tough to, but it's to, all the babies and it's, it's even, all the babies that they cooled during that time. period. And it's even tougher to hear that this is like all the way, like to see these results all the way up to adolescence. And you're like, oh, this is going to follow them that late. God damn it. Anyway. So it's kind of well, I think the message is, uh, when parents ask for our opinion on the long-term prognosis and, you know, those of us involved in kind of follow-up is, is that we have to just continue to provide the resources and continue to do the screenings um, so that, that kids have all the access they need to opportunities. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.